0: Ever since I was about 13 years old, I've enjoyed playing the organ tremendously. There's all sorts of organ music out there that is just a tremendous joy to play, and the instrument itself is something to behold because it can go into tremendous volume, but it can also do very delicate passages and evoke all sorts of human emotion. That is just truly a monumental instrument, and it's a joy to be able to play. And there's all sorts of different virtues and all sorts of different things that I could say about how beautiful it is to play the organ, but there's one thing that I really don't enjoy at all—practice. If you think about it, practice is something that's essential to be a good organist, and yet it's something that is often a painful experience. Because if you know the practice ritual, you know it very well, that you go through a piece and you find all of the places that you're playing well, and you kind of set those to the side. And you start looking for those places that aren't going so well, the places where you trip and stumble. And those places are the ones that you spend the next few hours working on. That You'd indeed focus on weakness. You focus on those places where you're failing and that you need some help. And that's what practice is all about. And I would dare say it's a very humbling experience. And I use that word humbling deliberately. Because if you remember back, the first reading in the Gospels particularly highlight and emphasize this word, humility. And yet, oftentimes, whenever we hear that word, we get a very negative image in our mind, that we often think about the way that we look downcast, or the way that we have low self-esteem, or the ways that we simply don't think all that much about ourselves. And while there's some elements of truth there, I dare say that maybe we don't have the particular or the proper definition of what humility is. Because as we go through the liturgy this morning, it reminds us of what it is to be truly humble, but indeed how that actually affects our spiritual life and enables us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. But first, let's start off with the book of Sirach, because here we're going in and we're stepping into just little bits of wisdom. And he starts off with a very simple encouragement. Conduct all of your affairs with humility, for if you do so, you'll be loved more than a giver of gifts. It's a simple reminder and a simple encouragement, but it's something that's actually very powerful because it can extend to every part of a person's life. But then he continues, and he goes even more deeply into this theme of humility, that the more humble a person is, the greater that they are. Now, if you listen to that, you likely think that it's a contradiction, because we hear this word humility and we think about how it brings us down or how it invites us to a lower place. And so how does it make one truly great? Maybe we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle just yet. And we go on, and it encourages us not to strive for those things that are too sublime or the things that are above our strength, but our human experience, we often want to go for those things that do exceed our own knowledge or do exceed our own strength, because we want to grow better and better. What's the message here? Why is it encouraging us not to strive for those things? Maybe there's something else to this theme of humility, after all. And we move on, and we go to the letter to the Hebrews, and we've been tracking along with this for the last several weeks. And today, we're actually given a couple of different opposing worldviews on who God might be. So we're told this first image that is not reality is something that's very common, that the Lord comes to us in the middle of thunder and lightning, that he's unapproachable, untouchable, and that he simply sits there, that we can't really get close to who God is. And so the letter to the Hebrews puts this out there because he wants to counteract what exactly the world thinks that God is. That he's unapproachable, he's untouchable, he's over here, and we can't go near him. But what does the letter to the Hebrews remind us? Well, it reminds us of the fact that Jesus, in fact, invites us into relationship. The fact that we're able to approach Mount Zion, that we're able to approach the heavenly Jerusalem, that we've been invited in and we've even been able to receive the blood of Christ, that we've been invited and we've been, in fact, able to approach God, our heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we're able to actually get close to him because he wants to be approachable. He wants to be there. He doesn't want to be ruling from on high, but he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And then finally we move on to this gospel according to Luke. In this passage we're set the scene that Jesus is at a wedding banquet and he sees all of these different people that are approaching the table and they're going for the highest place, that they want to be at that place at the head of the table. And so they're kind of quarreling among themselves and they're trying to get to this place. What does Jesus do? He takes this as a moment to teach That he tells them the practical advice that they shouldn't be seeking after those places of honor, but rather they should seek for the lower place first. Because we all know what happens whenever that person takes a seat that isn't theirs. That the host has to come to that person and they have to remove them and send them somewhere else. And that's filled with embarrassment and with shame. And that person likely doesn't want to be at that banquet any longer. But what about the other person that takes the lower place first? Well, oftentimes, if that seat isn't theirs, that they take a lower position than they were invited for, then they're invited up to that higher place, that they enjoy esteem of their companions because they didn't presume something that wasn't theirs, but rather they actually sought that lower place. They didn't want to make themselves out to be pompous, to be filled with pride, but rather they were truly humble. And then we move on this simple little quote that is beautiful, and it's something that really is, is a hallmark of this gospel. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever, hum, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. The simple reminder that one is not to exalt themselves, but to leave that up to someone else. And then we move on, and then Jesus speaks directly to the host of this party, this banquet that is there. That he tells him not to invite all of those that can repay him, all of those that might sort of reciprocate to him, but to rather invite the lowly, the poor, the blind, the lame, all of those that can't repay him, at least not right now, because he can be repaid later in the kingdom of God. And this is something that's truly humble, but we should go back to that initial question, the one that I posited at the very beginning. What is true humility? Well, often we can go to that dictionary definition, this modesty of character, and that's actually something that's profound and something important. But we have to realize why this humility, or why we can even define it what it is, why is it important for us, especially as we live our lives of faith? But first we should go back to the letter to the Hebrews to answer that question. Why is humility important? Because God is approachable. You know, whenever God makes himself approachable to us, it can be a danger that we can start to look down upon God because he is approachable, that we can actually touch, we can receive, we can even taste him because of the sacraments. And that is a danger that we could often kind of take that for granted. And because of that, we can start to build our own pride in our minds and our hearts and our souls. But that's something that starts to really do damage to our faith and to our spiritual journey. Rather, what happens is we should rather look at the way that God has made himself approachable, because he is a God who could be in all sorts of thunder and all sorts of fanfare and all sorts of lightning and tremendous earthquakes, that he is just that powerful, but he still wants to be known by you, that he wants to be in relationship, that he recognizes that none of us are truly worthy to be here, and yet he calls us in anyway. And that's what humility consists of, recognizing that place that has been given to us, that we're able to be in relationship with God, that we're privileged enough to be able to be calling God our Father, and yet we still recognize the true gift that that is, that we don't presume on God and we don't presume on His generosity, but we truly receive the gifts that He has given us. And so we recognize God is approachable, yes. But we truly don't deserve that, that we truly don't deserve to be in that relationship. That's what humility is, that modesty, recognizing God could hold this all against us, that he could hold our sins, our weaknesses against us, but he doesn't, because he wants to be in that relationship. He wants to draw us closer and to experience his love in a more full way. But then we should go into the gospel as well and recognize that whenever we live true humility in our lives, that it actually enables us to be in relationship, not just with God, but with each other as well. Because we can recognize this in the two parts of the gospel, the front and the back, that we can start to see it in the front in the way that we relate to God. The fact that we've been called to this Eucharistic banquet, that we've been called to the table in the first place, that this is something that we truly do not deserve again, but it's something that we're still given nonetheless but it's not us to, up to us to decide where our place at table is. Because if we start going for those places of honor, oftentimes those are empty, those are shallow, those are things that we create ourselves, and it's not truly something of God. We don't recognize that we don't deserve to be here, but we don't even recognize the fact that we've been called to this table, that we've been called to receive Jesus in a very intimate and personal way. And that's really what Jesus is trying to remind us of, the fact that we're all called into this wedding banquet, not just now, but even in the kingdom of heaven, that we're all drawn into this banquet. And that is a place that is truly humbling if we see where we are and who we are, because we have so many weaknesses, we have so many failures, we have so many things that seem to make us fall short of what Jesus is asking, and yet he still calls us forward anyway. And that's really the reminder that God is calling us into that relationship. He is calling us to that table, not to make something of ourselves, but so that he can make something of us instead. But then we move to that second half of the gospel, and it reminds us that we have all sorts of relationships in life, that we've got all sorts of friends, we've got all sorts of family members, we've got all sorts of relationships that can be rather comfortable, that we can have a sort of hierarchy filled out, and we can have all of these things in our minds set in place. But what about those places where we might feel like we have to stoop down to another? Those that truly might need our mercy, our, our forgiveness, those grudges that we've held on to for so long, and those people that we refuse to be in relationship with. Do we have the humility to approach one another? Because even in those moments where they might not be able to repay or to reciprocate in that relationship, are we still going to dare to risk it anyway and go forward to those people? Because so often we can live in judgment. We can live as if we're up here and they're down here. But Why don't we live on a level playing field and see the way that Jesus has called all of us equally to this banquet? And that's really the encouragement with the second half. But then the final and the sort of capstone of everything is going back to that book of Sirach, conducting all of our affairs with humility. Again, this doesn't mean that we're sort of downcast as we go about and that we're just dreary in our appearance or that we have low self-esteem, but that we recognize the grace that God has given us in our every day, in our every moment, that he continues to call us in a relationship with him even in the moments when we fail. And he still calls us, nonetheless, anyway, to be his sons and his daughters. And the book of Sirach reminds us of this because it's not just when we're here at Mass, it's not just when we're feeling pious, but it's each and every day and every moment of our life that we should continue to approach the Lord with all humility and all sincerity, recognizing the way that he draws us into relationship with him first. But then we also see that fact in the second part of the book of Sirach. Whenever he's encouraging us not to go for things too sublime or things that are beyond our strength, it's not to say that we shouldn't build up endurance or strength, but it's for those moments that we can feel hollow or we can feel empty inside. Because so often in our life, we can seek after those things that are too sublime. We pretend as if we know them when in fact we really don't. Or maybe we pretend that we're that strong when we know that we're really not. But we know the one who is truly wise, we know the one who is truly strong, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And those are moments when we can actually receive Jesus into our hearts and our souls, and then we can be truly sublime and we can be truly strong. But we have to be willing to let him in, not just here in church, not just on Sunday, but each and every day. That's the approach that we should take in all humility, that we should be looking towards every aspect of our life, seeing the ways that the Lord wants us to be living in him and with him at every moment, that we shouldn't live in our own pride or our own pompousness, but rather we should be looking for the ways that the Lord is inviting us into that relationship at each and every moment of each and every day. And so my brothers and sisters, we can often look to that image of practice that it does take us looking not just at our successes or the things that we might feel that, we're, that we have uh, figured out or that we have, feel good about ourselves but rather we should be looking towards those things that we do need to continue to let the Lord's grace into. Those moments that we might stumble, the moments that we might fail. And that's what true humility is, recognizing our lowly state, but that God calls us up anyway. It's not a downcast sort of approach. It's not lowest self-esteem, but it's rather that modesty of character, recognizing our Lord Jesus Christ has called us into relationship with him, and we're able to respond and reciprocate with him, not just with himself, but with each and every one of of our neighbors and our brothers and sisters as well. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. This is what the Lord reminds us of in the Gospel. But that simple encouragement, my brothers and sisters, for each and every one of us, to live out of that spirit of true humility so that we may approach God and approach his mysteries in a more receptive way and truly enter into our relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters each and every day and each and every moment.